This is the Chamber Chat Podcast, the show dedicated to chamber professionals to spark ideas and to get actionable tips and strategies to better serve your members and community. Hello, Chamber Champions. Welcome to Chamber Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Burton, and it's my goal here on the podcast to introduce you to people and ideas to better help you serve your chamber members and your community. Our title sponsor is Holman Brothers Membership Sales Solutions. Let's hear from Tony Felker, President and CEO of the Frisco Chamber, to learn how the Holman Brothers have provided value for him. One of the key benefits that we've realized from Holman Brothers actually happened many years after we started using them. We just completed our new strategic plan and understanding those subtle differences between transactional benefits and transformational benefits, the companies that use what they expect has been a key part in our strategic plan. And we really want to thank Holman Brothers for that. You can learn more about Holman Brothers membership sales solutions by visiting holmanbros.com. I'm excited about this week's guest. Our our guest for today is Mick Fleming. In addition to serving as the CEO for the primary national association for chamber of commerce professionals for 16 years, Mick has provided strategic planning, consulting support, and direct motivation to hundreds of chambers and associations of all sizes. He retired from ACCE at the end of 2017 and launched Chamber Counselor LLC. In addition to his Cornell University degree, Mick is a graduate of Duke University's credit-bearing leadership program, as well as the Aspen Institute's immersion program for C-level leaders. He was a 15-year member of the U.S. Chambers Committee of 100 and the Council of State Chambers. In 2018, chamber chamber legend Frank Ryle presented Mick with the Pillar of Chamber Profession Award. During eight years of service as vice chairman of the World Chambers Federation, he worked on collaborative projects with chambers in the world's largest cities and nations. Throughout his tenure, Mick championed initiatives to increase diversity and inclusion in the chamber and business worlds. His writings include Making Your Chamber Make a Difference and the Horizons Initiative, which we reference often, as well as a key section of the Retooling for Growth book, as well as numerous white papers and curriculum development. Mick and his wife, Barbara, who are both natives of Buffalo, have resided in Northern Virginia for 22 years now. Nick, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm excited to have you with us today on Chamber Tap Podcast. I'd love for you to take a moment to say hello to all the, the Chamber champions and friends out there listening and share something interesting about yourself that maybe we, we haven't heard before. <laughs> well, I, have, I don't have a resume. I have a, uh, a, a twisted past. That's what I have. So uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what I can. I, I appreciate the invitation. Um, I've known about the uh, chat for a long time and uh, love some of the stuff that you have. Some of it's very practical. I mean, you know, finance stuff and, you know, governance stuff. And, and uh, so I think those things are extremely valuable because a lot of people like I did uh, back into the careers of, of chamber work. Uh, almost everybody in the business has done something else first. <clears throat> and uh, so I think it's really great to have those basics. And, you know, there are people who can scare you to death with their um, talks about compliance and so forth. Uh, but just to have a, you know, a peer talk about these things, I think is really, is really more valuable. So yeah, I appreciate and, uh, that. 
What can I tell you about uh, something interesting about my past? Um, I was a jock in college, and uh, so I, um, and Cornell was a, a huge institution in New York State. Uh, so having gone there, I got a lot of uh, help. People always talk about that lift to your first job and your second job, and that, uh, you know, so many people don't have that kind of help, and I did. And then, of course, I had to prove that I was worth it for the next whatever ten, tenure I stayed. Um, but I had some other weird things on the side. I, uh, I never ran a chamber until 2019, where I uh, ran one for uh, a summer as an interim CEO for my chamber, my community. You said in 2019? That, that was 2019. So okay. Man, okay. It was, uh, it was a great awakening because... Uh, I find out I found out why none of you sleep at night, um, <laughs> and uh, the chamber was having difficulties. And uh, uh, I'll bring up something else later about the necessity of keeping the board in, engaged in the in the purpose stuff. But uh, anyway, I had a, a I've had a great run, um, and uh, I started off as a teacher and coach. And moved on from there to other things. Got my uh, first association job. I don't know. I think in like like 1980 or something like that. Okay. 82. And uh, that was at the Business Council of New York State, which is uh, a combination of the manufacturers and the chamber and economic developers across the country, across the state. Um, and uh, so that's what I did to to get into this business. I I actually got in because I entered this, somebody entered me for this uh, distinguished business advocate thing when I was working um, in a publishing shop. Okay. And uh, so uh, I was one of the winners. <laughs> so uh, that was the business council. And I, I used that um, to get acquainted with them. They had a magazine, I was a publisher. And it all worked from there. I had three different jobs there. First one was publishing. Second one was general marketing communications. And the last one was public policy, where I learned how to uh, come up with new euphemisms for uh, lobbying. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. No, oh, that's the director a... of government relations. Yeah, you know, all those kinds of words instead of telling your mother you're a lobbyist. That's right. No, that's a great perspective. Say, so normally I, I have people tell about, you know, their chamber size perspective, um, you know, scope of work, budget, that sort of thing. But um, it, it's a treat to have you on because I always get a little bit worried when I see, you know, people like yourself, you know, you come to the, towards the end of your chamber career and, you know, get ready to retire. And I think, darn, I missed having Mick on the podcast. And then as, <laughs> as luck would have it, our paths cross and, uh, glad that we're able to to get you on today because I know you you bring a, a great amount of knowledge and experience as well um, after leading ACCE as well. So our our topic for our discussion today is going to be around you know the importance of chambers focusing on their purpose and mission and we'll dive into that discussion as soon as we get back from this quick break. Are you looking for a year-round, affordable, and timely shop local campaign for your chamber or CVB? Look no further. 
Build a custom Eat Shop Play mobile app with App My Community by visiting appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat. App My Community mobile apps are not just simple membership directory listings. They provide many more capabilities to engage with your community. Provide your residents with a robust events calendar. Partner with a local fair, festival, or farmer's market to provide a schedule, map, and other resources to promote the event. Run a small business Saturday campaign any time of the year using built-in scavenger hunts. Allow your membership to communicate directly to their customers via push notifications. Your App My Community mobile app will be a unique member benefit, allow you to generate non-dues revenue with sponsorship opportunities, and best of all, provide a valuable resource to your community. Please visit appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat now to receive 10% off your first year of an App My Community mobile app. Chamber Nation hears from its customers that they help make it fun again to present the value of membership. That's because so much is provided to help each member promote their business, and with monthly ROI reports from Chamber Nation, they know their membership is already working to help them succeed. There are three words in Chamber of Commerce, and Chamber Nation knows that their customers take care of the Chamber, but Chamber Nation takes care of the commerce. This way, both teams working side-by-side deliver a whole lot more in membership value. With Chamber Nation, not only will you have a membership management system, but also a membership development system all in one terrific package. So, save money and be impressed by visiting richardscalendar.com to set up a demo with their CEO or learn more at chambernation.com. Success happens over time, not overnight. It's why Fortune 500 companies and other forward-thinking businesses are shifting to a more continuous learning format to coach and support their salespeople. Holman Brothers Next Level Coaching brings the same ongoing improvement opportunity to chamber membership salespeople. Visit holmanbros.com slash next level to learn more and request a free trial of Next Level Coaching for your membership pro. All right, Mick, and we're back. So I mentioned before the break that we'll focus our discussion today around focus, the importance for chambers to focus on their mission and purpose. Uh, you've had experience working with chambers, not only throughout the United States, but throughout the world. And I'm sure you've seen maybe some of these, uh, some of the mission creep that comes in and um, just share with us maybe some of those experiences that have kind of been red flags to you. It's like, oh, this is not your lane to get into. And, and, you know, let's come back to, to where you should be focused at. Well, I think uh, I was going to raise this sometime. Might as well do it here. I produced a, a speech and a presentation and booklet on it. Uh, it was called The Seven Deadly Sins. Um, and what if you could know now what you'll know then? And So I came up with these, um, I I, actually, a a guy from South Carolina was the one who, Dan Chavez said, Mick, you know all these stories, you talk to all these people on the way out of their jobs. Couldn't you tell them, what what did they tell you? So that's how I came up with this. And the number one thing that I came up with in terms of the seven sins was, uh, and almost universally across everybody I talked to was the last lack of focus. and they just get 
pulled too wide and their uh, resources run too thin when that starts to happen. And uh, they also uh, get more disorganized. They don't know which thing's a priority. So I really try to concentrate on that when I can, talking to the boards of directors, especially when I did those, and I still do some, um, outreach and, and do you know day or two day long uh, sessions. Uh, about 90% of the time they work great. And about 10% of the time, the exec doesn't last very long after the session. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not harsh. It's just, you know, when it, sometimes it's just somebody finds out what they didn't know. Right. You know, somebody on the board or whatever. So that, that context thing is, is really important. Um, so when I talk about purpose, I always talk about purpose first and, and, uh, and mission second. Um, so as you move into this thing, you know, to, to try to write strategic so, plans and marketing. So plans and I was going to ask, maybe before diving into the first and second of, of purpose and mission, how do you see them being different? You know, some people might hear purpose and mission and think, yeah, we've got a mission statement and that's our purpose. And it, it, it just blends together. So how do you differentiate the purpose and mission? And then we can get in a little deeper on Disney, it. Disney did a great job, Disney uh, Institute on that very question and they brought in people um, that, uh, that really know about these things, three, including the guy from Hewlett Packard and all these things, actually Packard himself. Um, so here's the thing, they, the big thing about a, uh, a purpose is that there's a very good chance that that purpose should last for a hundred years. Uh, and a mission, is who you represent and what you're gonna do for them. And so you can almost think of two different stairways leading up to the why, to the purpose. One is this uh, kind of overall uh, expectations and, and what do we wanna be and what are our principles and what's the community about? And how can we help the community while helping the members that's the, that's the big purpose statement. And then the other one is, you know, well, how do we help these people, uh, the, the business people themselves, as opposed to, you know, changing the world? Um, how do we get to a why for that work? And if you put those two together at the end, you got your why and for both, both areas. Uh, the one actually for the work um, is easier. Uh, but you have to take it as stair, stair steps. You start off with something, let's say, like, um, example might be, you know, we convene business and community. Then you take the next step, and that, the why for that is uh, one voice is better than 30,000 voices or 50 voices, so we'll have more strength. Then you have to be, get a why from that. Well, what are we trying to do with that influence? And then you keep moving up that chain until you get to really the epitome, which is, you know, why do we even bother with all this stuff? And so I think that's the way on a purpose. It's much, it's grander. It's, it's something that'll last. Uh, it's not subject to the whims of, of uh, the next strategic planning group or the next um, CEO. 
Right. That purpose should help drive those strategic planning sessions, right? Understanding that purpose. And you see a lot of chambers have mission statements, but you don't see a whole lot that have purpose statements, right? Yeah. Some are, some of the mission ones are are good enough that they, they can cover both. Yeah. It's aspirational in that way. Um, The other problem I think with it is that it's, um, well, I shouldn't say the problem. The opportunity related to this is that you got to figure out what you're selling. And for many people in the chamber world, uh, everything, nothing in the mission is ever mentioned in a sales call. What's mentioned in a sales call is you get to do this, you get to buy that, you get to be a sponsor for this. We'll take you on a trip to the capital. Well, it's all uh, services. Okay. And the mission is is not to have a great golf tournament. <laughs> uh, so, and the mission, the mission isn't even had to have a magazine unless there's a purpose for the magazine. So um, if you don't have that, then, and your staff isn't trained and you aren't, aren't focusing on those things that are bigger and more meaningful, it'll be very hard to get uh, big contributions. I'll call it uh, revenue above the rate card. Yeah. Whatever your rate sheet is, anybody above that is somebody who's either getting something from the organization um, specifically, like help with some transportation problem or something. And then the other thing is they'll have, um, they get asked, you know, those people get asked for lots of stuff and sponsorship and stuff. And they mostly though, it's kind of a contribution. Even a sponsorship, the, the, there's no way to measure how much value that is to the company. So those are the things that I think that's why the mission and purpose are so important is that once in a while, you got to sit across, especially from big, a potentially big member or big sponsor and talk about the things in those two stairways. Right. So, and I can see where somebody in the community may come to the chamber and say, the chamber needs to head up this initiative because what, you know, we believe the chamber is well connected. You can make this happen. And so they want to dump it on the chamber. And in some instances, maybe that aligns with the purpose of what the chamber is trying to accomplish, but it doesn't align with the mission. Right. Right. So to be able to be clear on, you know, where that fits. And if it really, if it, if it fits both criteria, first your purpose and then your mission, but then being well enough connected throughout the community that you can say, maybe this isn't meant for the chamber to do, but this organization can help and we'll support it however we can. You just have to watch out a little bit if you inherit some of those things. Right. Um, One of the things I tell new execs or, or people who want to move into the business is to, or get a CEO interview uh, you have to find out how, you know, unrestricted, the unrestricted <laughs> line on your, <laughs> on your finances, how unrestricted is it? My best example is up in Seattle when they had this one program, I think it was a homeless program, um, and they got this money to seed, seed it, get it going. And it was just this expectation that the uh, chamber would be doing this, and then they didn't have the money. They didn't know why they were doing it. Um, so that can be, a new exec comes in and says, where am I going to come up with that $100,000 a year? 
Um, so I think those things, so you got to be a little careful, though. There was another place down in Baton Rouge where um, the, the new CEO said, we're not going to we're not going to do this Christmas parade. What does that have to do with the chamber? And the, uh, so he says, we're not going to do that. And the next day, the front page of, of the yeah. <laughs> said, chamber kills Santa Claus. Oh, no. So you got to watch out. You got to sometimes, some of the best things to do, though, is to farm it out maybe to an aspirational organization, not just one that's your, one of your big hot shots, but, you know, an, an organization, maybe the community foundation, or sometimes it can even be youth, young people. Um, yeah. so. so we laugh about that, the chamber killing Santa Claus, but really it's a, it is an opportunity to tell the community what it is the chamber does. You're not about the parties and pageants and parades, but you know, you're about meaningful work that's going to move the needle. So, but I can see where it, it, it may have a negative context and spin to it. <laughs> well, if, uh, Jim Collins, who I like, wrote a good to great, used to draw these three circles that would come together, uh, the Venn diagram. And he says, you're, you're good at it. Um, you like it. And somebody will pay you for it. In the nonprofit world, it's dead on your mission. You're the best or only provider. and um, do you have a business model? And so those are the things that people have to think about and they should spend at least some of their time in the center of that, those circles. Yeah. I'd like to talk for a minute if I could about this um, thing I learned, at, uh, well, a couple of things. One is there's a policy imperative now for chambers. There might have been a time when there was that you didn't have to talk about the issues and you could just get people's butts in the seats. But I think especially for meaningful um, investors that want to uh, make the community better and the, the business community better, I think there's some things that have to be done on policy, not necessarily politics. I realize that's an overflow lots of times, but um, policy work can be written in a way that um, doesn't insult. It allows the chamber to be the uh, sane middle. Uh, some people think that's an impossibility now um, because everything's so fractured, but I still think the sane middle is the place that chambers can play in policy work without getting their heads cut off. And if they don't play there, somebody's going to say, well, you don't stand for anything then. Yeah. So I think it's important. Yeah, I think if, if you keep that focus on what's pro-business, what's good for the businesses in your community, it's hard to, to even get into the political side of it if all you're doing is focusing on the business aspect and the impact to businesses. And that's, yeah. your, that's what you're standing for. Right. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to mention was uh, the contextual leadership role. I, in the Duke thing that I went through, there were six domains of leadership. And in talking about the future for chambers, um, the biggest thing in, that changed out of my life after going through that was one of the six uh, paradigms of leadership is called contextual leadership. And that's, I didn't know that until I went through that, I didn't know that of my 35 employees, I didn't know they didn't know what was going on. And of my, you know, 30 uh, board members, I didn't know they didn't know. 
um, and getting transparent about it as much as you can that doesn't involve you know hurting somebody or HR or something but being transparent it just made my life so much easier and being taking time to explain our purpose and our our mission meant so much and my life got so much easier <laughs> I mean, I was in the position where I was, they were so out of touch, or I was so out of touch, that I would give the, two, the same assignment to two different people. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, they didn't, they didn't object. They both. Um, so it got, and some of that is because of lack of focus. Yeah. It was, I was doing things that were, you know, offline. I'd, I'd do some things that were just, and the staff would be sent to do things that were not necessarily dead on the mission. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to uh, cut off the ob obvious thing that you guys have to do programming to make some money. I would say though, that if you include staff time, it doesn't make much money. So the program you run should have value above money because uh, it's really not a huge margin that you have from any of the events you run, except possibly your maybe two biggest community-wide events, uh, you know, the awards dinner or whatever you call it, uh, usually makes some money. There's probably one other thing that makes some real money. But the smaller grouping things and the committee running and all those kinds of things are usually, um, they have to have the value. That is, there's a real binding thing for the members. Right. And that's that matters. But yeah. Uh, so I wanted to, to circle back. You had mentioned at the beginning talking about um, board engagement. So it, do you want to circle back to that at this point about keeping the board engaged when it comes to purpose and mission? Well, I think um, an awful lot of people on boards think that their contribution to the chamber and their contribution to the community is to have their name on the list of directors. They think that's a big thing. And they don't think that, they don't necessarily think they've got other work to do. Um, and I understand that, but I tell people that if I had a, a large company CEO on my board, I would much rather have them make three phone calls a year than show up every month or every other month for a board meeting. Right. Um, you know, one, we got an economic development or economic loss issue to work on. Second one, we got an issue in politics we got to work on. And third, we got a mission, a member we're going to lose. I would rather have that than have them show up everywhere, anywhere. So the board that matters is there's this activist group. I call it the um, after school group or the detention group. And they're the ones who actually care about which way you go, which way, and it's not necessarily the executive committee. It could be somebody in any level and you get a handful of those people and you can probably manage the organization other than the representative stuff you have to have from boards. I mean, that those five people or whatever number you pick, they don't have to be elitist. They just have to be with you and shaping you and you shape them. And I think that's uh, the critical part, part of the board. Then they also can say, yes, when you uh, do a strategic planning change and you're no longer gonna do the Christmas parade and you're gonna instead take a trip to the Capitol, 
that's something that they can help you with that gets talked about. And I don't get blindsided and the board doesn't get blindsided with those that insulation that you have from some people who get you. Um, another thing I think is that it's very important to figure out your um, terms of service and what terms mean and how far out you stretch the board group and, you know, as your seventh chair elect already decided, you know, <laughs> you're elect, elect, elect. Um, and one of the reasons for that is that when you name somebody a, a future leader or chair elect, you're going to be doing work for two, for two execs, for, for two CEOs. So you've got to watch out. Um, the other thing I think the chambers lose focus on is they do things, not just that are off mission, but they do things that um, they just don't know how to say no to because the board asks, somebody on the board asks for it. Right. And, you know, I'm on the heart fund. I think you guys could really help out if you came up with volunteers and did the blah, blah, blah. And how do you say no? How do you say no to the hospital? How do you say no to the school? And so carving out your niche in each of those things is, is the only way to keep the peace, probably, unless you can use your five specialists. Yeah. Well, and I think it goes back to just being familiar yourself with what your purpose and mission is, because Again, going back to so many chambers have a mission statement, but they let that mission creep come in. And then when you're in a board meeting and the school district says, yeah, I think that you guys need to get volunteers together for this and it put together a whole new program. If you don't have that mission and purpose on the, the front of your mind, then it's very easy to just kind of go along with it instead of saying, you know what, we've got more important work to do, but maybe we can put you in contact with people that, that can run with this. No, the most important program we ran in that summer that I worked in the in the chamber of business is they had a great thing with the school that fit perfectly into the mission. And that was an ethics day, or even maybe two days, um, for seniors in high school. Okay. And the presenters and sponsors were all people who gave a crap about that. You know, accountants and lawyers and and uh, ministers and I mean it was it was a wonderful program yeah all you had to do is say we're doing it and the money would come in yeah I'm not saying that's the one everybody should do but see the find those ones where there's a obvious audience and interest for sure so covered a lot of uh, a lot of great stuff in our conversation today I wanted to to see if there is maybe one tip or action item that you would share for a chamber who's wanting to take their chamber up to the next level, what would you offer them? Well, I just got back a couple of weeks ago from the Winter Institute. I talked about future chambers and, and associations. And I'll tell you the thing that, as I worked on that script and that, that show, the thing that came to mind most is that change, 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 change is hard to work with. And if you try to imagine the things that, well, you couldn't imagine the things that people might think today that was going on 10 years ago or five years ago. So <clears throat> you've been through, uh, by the way, congratulations to everybody in the chamber world for getting through the pandemic. I mean, I don't know how you did it. I didn't retire because of the pandemic, 
but I'm really glad I wasn't running ACC. <laughs> well, they had this really Although, good you know, in, in Horizon mean, initiative to look to. So, yeah. <laughs> Sherry Ann did a great job through yeah. that, including getting all of you some PPP money. Right. Um, okay, so here's my tip. The Navy SEALs used to go into an attack and they think they had everything planned. And they have all these weapons and how many boats are we going to need and all that kind of stuff. And they get to the beach and somebody's playing beach soccer and they can't even come through without, you know, collateral damage. Or some, you know, warlord died and they're having a, par a, a parade down the middle of town or something. They can't. So they finally figured out that what they have to do is to um, make themselves ready to handle whatever comes next. That the whole strategy should be, how do I make it so I'll be able to handle whatever comes next? That means I got to look at personnel, I got to look at resources, all this kind of stuff. It can be realistic. I don't think you have to say, we're going to know everything about everything. Just, you know, people can project a little bit for you and help you find those issues where your strategy is, are we going to be ready? We don't know if it's going to be a flood, a virus, a war, uh, an economic slump, um, the loss of our CEO. It could be all of those things. Uh, one that you don't have to worry about is like a scandal with your chairman of the board. <laughs> There's nothing you can do about that. <laughs> you don't want to plan for it unless you want to do a program for dealing with the press. Uh, <laughs> so I think that, that the biggest thing I can say is you don't know what change is coming. So you, your strategy isn't like all these to-do lists. Yeah. It's how are we going to be ready? Be ready for the unexpected. Yes. Expect it to come. It's going to come. So I'm excited with this next question that I have to ask you. Um, everyone I have on the show, I like asking them how they see the future of Chambers and their purpose going forward. A lot of times the answers reference the Horizon Initiative. So I'm, I'm excited to hear, you know, at, at this point here in 2023, um, how do you see the future of Chambers and their purpose going forward? I wish I wouldn't have been so correct uh, right. in my <laughs> predictions. Uh, I mean, you know, the importance of international uh, uh, dealing with your organization. Can anybody see that not being continuing to grow? That your community, your, your employers, um, so that's the kind of thing I think that, uh, and that strategy of being ready for whatever comes next is to think about that. You can think about your own issues if you already have some and say, what's gonna happen with that interstate that somebody's directing our way or that major um, uh, shipping change that we're gonna have more ships in our port or, or whatever it is. Um, and think that through. If there's if there's the likelihood of, of some kind of military uh, issue is, you know, the mountain group in northern New York in Watertown, are they likely to be called in? Let's, let's see about that. I think that's the prep thing you can think about. I, I also think that the, I'm, I was really surprised, honestly, that the last two kind of one economic and one personal uh, crisis didn't lead to more consolidation. Right. Um, you know, the, the 2009 thing, I thought 
everybody was going to be scrambling to just, you know, collect whatever they can collect and, and hook up with anybody they could hook up with. And this time I thought there'd be more regional um, uh, linkage or just expanding. Um, I don't see that, seeing as I've been doing this for a long time, I don't see that happening a lot in the U.S. Yeah. You know, the whole, all of Great Britain has 22 chambers. Really? Um, and, you know, we have, we have one, sometimes we have them, you know, one is the county chamber with this name and the other one is the city chamber with that name. Right. Uh, I think some of that is going to have to be looked at, uh, not just the volume, but of, of chambers, but, you know, there's divisions of labor that can happen all over the place. And, you know, saying that you're, you know, arm in arm with the economic development group, even though they get all the glory, um, that's not a bad thing to get hooked up to. If there's a publisher in town and they're doing these things that are about, you know, health day and they all run these uh, business publications, especially run all these special things for accountants and everybody. So I think finding partners is gonna be a big deal, whether it's formalized or informalized. I think that's going to be necessary. Yeah. I think programming is going to have to grow, go up to a level where it's better than, not necessarily better, because in-person is always better, but at least as good as, or almost as good as, um, the best you can get on the web. Right. Now, I appreciate that that insight and, and thought that you've given to that, to the, the continued look forward to the future of chambers. But Mick, as we wrap up here today, I wanted to give you an opportunity to share any contact information, anyone that's you know wondering where you're at or how to get in contact with you, what would be the best way for them to reach out and connect? Okay. I think uh, the easiest way to get me on is email and that's mick at mickfleming.com. Pretty hard to forget. Fleming has one M in it. <clears throat> And uh, my phone number is not off limits. So if somebody wants to talk to me about a specific topic or want to invite me to town, it, the number is uh, 703-216-5525. And if I'm not the person that fits best with what you might need, I know somebody who is. Mm -hmm. So we can help with that. Um, I do like to still go, you know, I said I did the institute thing this year. I still like to go out and work with individual chambers. Um, once uh, 2020 came, I, you know, I had two great years of retiring. <laughs> <laughs> little business. 18 and 19, it was great. Uh, March 12, 2020, the government announced all the shutdowns. March 13, my three clients for the summer went away. Mm -hmm. So I kind of said, you know, I'm not going to try to push the wagon up the hill. I'm going to just take what comes in instead of uh, marketing. Yeah. Um, so that I, you know, I, I still like to do it. I'm not expensive. Um, and uh, I'm also, most things are pretty short. Yeah. You know, it's like a, a day and a half and, and you get rid of me. Some of the other consul con consultants, you know, they, they want a lifetime contract. That's right. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm quick. I can do it. Uh, topically, or I can do it um, 
and the overall stuff like we talked about today. Uh, that's great. And I'll get that in our show notes as well for this episode. And, and maybe just a side note, uh, Mick is part of the Chamber Chat Champions Facebook group as well, where we post each episode in and allow for some conversation around the topics of each um, podcast episode. So that may be another way where you can find Mick online. So Mick, thank you for setting aside time with us today. Um, like I said, I've been looking forward to, to having you on the podcast. I'm glad it worked out. And thank you for the, the great information, valuable information that you delivered today. I really appreciate it. Well, Brandon, it's great to be asked. Thank you for doing this. Oh, you're welcome. This is not something that an individual will take on very often for an entire industry. Yeah. And you've got both some guts and some brains to do it. Thank you. If you are a chamber professional, please subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. When you subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast, new episodes will show up in your podcast app each week as they are released. If you're finding value in this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review in iTunes. But most importantly, please share Chamber Chat Podcast with your colleagues that are in the industry. Have you ever thought about creating a podcast for your chamber? We always hear about how chambers need to be storytellers. What better way is there to tell the stories of your members and the work of your chamber than through a podcast? Your audience is waiting to hear from you as a convener of leaders and influencers, champion for business, and catalyst for change within your community. I just launched a chamber podcast course with the goal to get your very own podcast started within 30 days. Visit chamberchatpodcast.com slash pivot to learn more and to enroll in the Chamber Podcast course today.